TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Back on uh, the two guys at a mic show, talkzone.com. Hope everybody out there had a great weekend. The brackets are out. The brackets are out. The much anticipated selection show. And what a show it was has been concluded. We now know who is playing where and who is not playing. Maybe more importantly, the bubble hath burst for many a fan, including our Fighting Illini fans. Welcome, everybody. It's the coach, John Cole, my good partner, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. We'll be talking college hoops, March Madness, and more. Actually, not that much more. It's a one-hour show. We're going to concentrate on college hoops. The big dog, Joel Radwanski, checking in from Aurora, Illinois. Big dog, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic as long as I'm not bumbling and dropping the phone onto the floor and having to bust into a million pieces when we start the show. Is that what happened? Because David yeah. Olson did uh, tell me stall, coach stall, because we had the coat or we had uh, the big dog and then we lost him. Well, actually, what happened was I was ready to do the show. Somebody said the word Illinois, and I immediately just dropped my <laughs> phone again because I was so disgruntled about what over what happened. Oh, you know, coach, I, I thought you put it perfectly. Uh, about about Illinois. You know what? I'm not even angry because they should have played their way in in ten different games this year that they blew yeah. that they should have won. Yeah, so. they didn't deserve it. You know, and people were no. a couple of people. You know, knowing that I'm an Illinois grad, Illinois fan. Oh, you know, you must be heartbroken. No, no. You know, I, I was hoping that they would get in, but quite frankly, if you look at it objectively, the Fighting Illini are just missed the top 64, in my opinion. Yeah, and you always accuse me of being biased towards my teams, and I think I'm probably the I, I can be objective over my teams any time. As much as I'm diehard and watch every game of this season, except for the Wisconsin game last week, they didn't deserve to be in it. It's frustrating to actually say that. And if you're a bubble team this year, it's been put perfectly a bunch of times. A bunch of people have said it. Yeah, you might complain, hey, we should be in, but you know what? Who are you going to take out? And you really deserve to be in more than any of those teams. So quit complaining. You had a whole season to figure it out. Well, I. Could not agree with you more on that. And, and, you know, basically they had two opportunities this weekend. I mean, they played a pretty good Big Ten tournament, Big Dog, twice. They had the ball, tie game, and the other team had over seven fouls, other team being Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And so, that you know, that, that's major disadvantage situation, right? you got to oh, find absolutely. a way to take the ball to the hoop. Both times, Illinois, dribble, 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 dribble. Uh-oh, what do we do? Jack up a perimeter shot, no good. Yeah, they have a guy that's been a starter for three seasons playing point card. That is unacceptable when you have Dimitri McCain out well, on the court. Well, you know, and I've heard that, and I've heard people say that Bruce Weber's got to coach him, but i got a little different philosophy on that. We're concentrating on this game here, folks. We're going to talk some of the tournaments and uh, check into some of the brackets. A lot of college basketball talk, March Madness, Coach and the yeah. Dog. Our phone number, if you want to join us, 888 888-463-6748. 888-463-6748. If you don't mind, Coach, can I bump it on the? We're only going to touch on the teams that didn't make it very shortly because the most important are the 65 who did. Yeah, well, you know what? We've got three days to do it, too, though. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I I would like to concentrate a little bit on some of the wonderful tournaments played over the weekend. We don't need to get too intense. We got, you know, it's like a fine wine. You got to sip it and savor it up until Thursday at 11 o'clock. We got four shows to do, Big Dog. 
This is good stuff. But that's I, my problem, Coach, is I can't taste myself, whether it's exercise, yes. drinking, eating, or relationships. I, I tend to go in all like head first. You do have a shovel wooden method. Uh, eat now and worry later in, in many aspects of your life. Might I suggest a toothpick? <laughs> Once again, in many aspects of your life. Okay. Yeah, pace yourself, big dog. Pace yourself. Will you please? I'm trying to learn to do that, Coach. Okay, well, you know. We can talk after the show. I'll give you a little consultation. I had a different philosophy uh, or a different comp- center of complaint than you did because most people, Dimitri McCamey and the, and the coach, the other four players, they're standing around. You know okay, what? No. I don't care what players can con- Stop standing and waiting for your star to do something. Move. Screen. Swing through. Down screen. Up screen. Back screen. Move. How about this, Coach? Uh, the name of the offense that Bruce Weber runs is the motion offense. Yes, thank you. How about, is that as simply as yeah. I, I can put it? And the other players, I thought, kind of just, they, they, I mean, McCamey was hot, but in that situation, they just kind of stood back and watched and waited for Dimitri to do something. So part of it was his fault. Part of it's the other players. Move, get open, Coach, call he's for the, the ball. Leader on the floor, and he's, they listen to him. He's got to get him to start moving around. He's got to. He's got to, he's got to orchestrate the offense somehow. I, I, I agree with, I totally agree with what you're saying. That they need to move, but he is the leader out there. And, and you're right, a couple of possessions at the end, it was like, all right, Dimitri, what are you going to do for us next? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that mm-hmm. isn't going to happen. That ain't going to cut it in college basketball. Yeah. By the way, and we'll talk some of the college basketball tournaments here. We can start off with the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I knew this guy was a special player, but haven't watched him play three games in a row. I don't think we realize. I think even the experts are underplaying how good the Big Ten MVP, Evan Turner, is Big Dog. I'm seeing a guy that it truly, truly may be the next really special player to enter into the NBA. And and I don't think people realize how good this guy is. Part of it is because he's so smooth. Yeah, and you know what? He has something in common with, with David Robinson, Coach. And uh, David Robinson played a totally different position. But uh, besides being a really, really class act mm-hmm. and, and a, a thorough competitor, Evan Turner and David Robinson. It's the only thing that they have in common is both those guys went into college at least six inches shorter than what they ended. Yep. So what ended up happening, they get they get little guy complex, which means one thing when you're a little guy, you have to try harder. You have to work harder than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And number two, you have to work on your skills, things like dribbling and shooting and passing and keeping your butt down when you're defending people matters if you're tiny because you don't get any extra, you don't get anything given to you by coaches mm-hmm. or recruiters or, or scouts if you're small. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure you do all those little things. And so they, those two focused on that. And all of a sudden, four years later or three years for Evan Turner, he grows seven inches and he goes from a point guard who's scrappy to a guy that can play four positions on a basketball court. Mm-hmm. Coach, he is the next, he is the next great player, seriously. And if he is, it's either John Wall or him taking number one. And if they take John Wall, it's because people are like, he's got great potential. And if Evan Turner goes number one, it's because mm-hmm. somebody says, you know what, he's a better basketball yeah, player. Yeah, I completely agree. After watching this weekend, you got to go E.T. Evan Turner. He averaged, folks, averaged 27 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. He's a really good passer. He handles the ball well. He can drive to the basket. I use the word smooth. He's like slicing through butter. I mean, he makes difficult plays look easy and... Usually guys with the description I just gave have questionable outside shots. Big Dog, I'm not going to say he's John Debor or Johnny Shire. He's not the best outside shooter in college basketball. But you know what? He's a damn good outside shooter with a sweet shot. There is no weakness in his game, folks. Evan Turner, the real deal. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Coach. And I think Turner will turn in from being a, 
a good perimeter guy to a great perimeter guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll end up being one of those guys like a, like a Darren Williams. It just seems like if you give him an open look from 15 feet, he's going to knock it down. If you double him, he's going to get rid of it. And he, it it's cool that uh, you see a guy, Demetri McCamey, and a guy like Evan Turner, they they go to the same high school. Yep, high school teammates. And then they end up being playing the same position in college, and they end up being like these huge rivals. And it's funny because Turner was supposed to be better right when he got into school. And then everybody realized, wow, McCamey's better. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Evan Turner's the best player in the country. It, it's been mm-hmm. a really cool story with the way these two have developed through, mm-hmm. through the last three years. And, yeah, uh, Chicago area has uh, done very well with the uh, top players in college basketball this year. It's been college. a while, but the three, I would say three of the top 10 or top 12, I don't know where you put Johnny Shire and Sharon Collins and Evan Turner from the Chicago area, probably two of the top 10, right, Big Dog? There's, uh, what, what about the kid from Xavier that's averaging like 20 points a game that is like, uh, that's like a junior or a senior? I mean, there, there's a bunch of kids, Coach, that are from Chicago. Like, it, it's funny, like a lot of guys that three or four years ago that were getting overlooked. Mm-hmm. Right now, people are looking back, we're like, how many players came out of Chicago yep. you know, in 2006? It was a good year. I'm not sure who the Xavier guy is, but another guy who's probably top 20 college player this year, maybe top 15 Kansas State star player, Jacob Pullen, is from the another Chicago one. A great point, Coach. Yep. I mean, Chicago just keeps pumping out player after player. And I just wish 85% of them stayed in the Big Ten. Or went to DePaul. How about that? Why don't, I just, why don't any of these kids go to DePaul every once in a while? I just wish one every uh, maybe 20 years would go to Northwestern. I'm still waiting. By still way, waiting. Speaking of that, that I, I really – I'm not just saying because they had a great year this year, but because everybody's coming back, Northwestern will make the tournament next year, and that's going to yes. be really cool. Yep. And, by the way, John Scherner let all virgins in the NCAA in points <laughs> this season and rebounds. <laughs> Congratulations, John! It's something that your parents are extremely proud of, I'm, and, and I'm sure your older brother likes it too. But I don't know if he's you know, proud of it, but his parents are highest scoring average for a virgin in college basketball this season. Only this season. Yeah, I back think in he, the '60s, there was a couple guys that used to be able to hold out for a while. Well, AC Green was probably, uh, of course, he was never a big scorer. No, no, but he was a big rebounder, all-time rebounder yeah. for a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> All right, 888-463-674 if you're listening, folks, and watch the college basketball over the weekend. You want to talk about the uh, brackets, the tournament upcoming starting on Thursday, we are right here for you. Again, 888-463-674. You can always email us at mike2guys at aol.com. And, dog, I do want to get in the brackets, but I also want to savor uh, some very good conference tournaments and quickly kind of recap them because, again, we can break down the brackets as the week goes on here, but... People are going to forget about the tournaments, the uh, yeah, conference agree, tournaments. Yeah, and, and for yeah. all those naysayers and experts and talk show people that say, ah, the tournaments are a waste of time, let's get on with the tournament, they don't mean anything. You know what? I don't know what they mean, but I do know this. They sure are a lot of fun, not only for us watching. You watch the players compete, and you can tell it means something to those kids. It was great, at least I thought, great entertainment from Friday right through Sunday. If you would have told me, in November, that I would have been hanging on every single second of the Conference USA basketball championship game. <laughs> like I was, oh, another kid from Illinois, I'm from Chicago. They're learning score from Houston's from Chicago. Okay, I forget that kid's name, but uh, whoever uh, Teddy Penders is coaching, he's got their off guard is from Chicago, and he's averaging like 18 points a game, coach. If Tommy Penders right. recruited him, I can guarantee his uh, grade point average was under two. This might be uh, <laughs> out of five, by the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, well, uh, but that's like, it's just funny how, like, these tournaments turn, like, I'm an Illinois fan, and we, Houston could not get in, because that was a spot that was going to cost Illinois. And you know what, it's funny, there was a play, Memphis lost to Houston on Saturday, coach, 
because a kid from Memphis drove baseline, dunked the ball, hit his shoulder, shot out of the basket, Mm -hmm. okay? And they waved off the basket. Wow. They lost by a point. Illinois gets knocked out by one team, Houston. Houston's that extra team. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Some guy misses a dunk because it went through, hits his shoulder, and flies out. And either Illinois or Virginia Tech lose their Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, time out. Are you, Tom, are you describing a play where the, 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 the dunk goes through the basket? Okay, yeah, check this out. A guy dunks the ball. Okay. He's holding it still. His hands are still on the rim. The split second of when he dunks the ball, the ball leaves his hand, goes through the rim, and you have to imagine his shoulder's really close to the rim right now. Wait, his own shoulder or an opponent's His shoulder? own shoulder. His, his own, own shoulder. shoulder. Hits his shoulder. And bounces straight up. I'm, this right now, by the way, coach, is like .2 seconds. You, you know what I'm saying? It was like boom, boom. It was like that quick. The ref came in and waved it off and said, "No basket." What? Okay, this is he slam dunked it. It hit his own shoulder and bounced out of the rim. It bounced right through. It That's... went like 25 feet up into the air, and then the net went reverse. You know what I mean? What what game was this? This was Memphis Houston. That's unbelievable. The, the semifinal game. Okay? That's unbelievable. And I got a YouTube that. My second comment is, if it goes through the rim. Shouldn't it count? That's what I said. That's why I was like, uh, like uh, cloudy, looking up the rules. We couldn't find the rules. You know what I mean? So uh, nobody in the house knew. But the, yeah. the referee did wipe it out. The people on Sports Center didn't say whether or not it was a correct call or not. Okay, they just said the referee wipes it out. And then so the, Houston goes down there, makes their points, and then then Memphis misses their next bucket, and then it's a free throw shooting contest. Where if you make that hoop, they have the That's lead. That's unbelievable. So so my point is that crazy play may have cost Virginia Tech. And or and or Illinois and or whoever else Mississippi the State was mm-hmm. millions of dollars and the chance to be in the the NCAA wow. tournament. Wow, I got to check that play out. I did not see that one. And by the way, if you don't remember from last year, the rule book that you guys had in your house, I believe most of the pages, if I remember correctly, cloudy rolled up. Well, so this if, is true, Coach. So if you're this looking for the true. rule book, uh, it's probably in you know maybe the back page might be there. That's about it. You know, I got to tell you something. Luckily. Luckily, that the basketball rule book was not that thick because we almost died of ink poisoning, Coach. <laughs> oh, actually, the basketball rule book is pretty thick. Not as thick as the baseball rule book, by the way. Good reading in your spare time, by the way. Oh, I, I love the baseball yeah. rule book. I usually in our uh, main bathroom in our house. You know, uh, we we leave. There's other reading material you can have out there, but we've we've found the most successful. We put the baseball uh, rule book, the basketball rule book, and the NHL hockey rule book right there for you. Really? Yeah. Like musical chairs, like you have five people in the family, you put all four of them down there, you jump in the well, middle, and whoever doesn't end up with the rule book, the loser. It's not so much for the family. It's more for the guests that come over that comfort them in their time of need, if you know what I mean. Well, you, you might want to get a football uh, <laughs> rule book out there for the, for the summer. <laughs> all right. 888-463-674. Let's break it down one tournament at a time. Oh, by the way, dog, we do have, uh, in a little bit, we're going to take one quick break. For the March Madness Talk, and we're going to talk baseball. I know you won't mind. Bob Ibeck, ex-marketing director for the Chicago Cubs, is going to talk a little baseball with us. So we will sneak in just a touch of baseball along with the March Madness Talk. But uh, let's finish up Big Ten Tournament. Ohio State, we know, won the tournament. They knocked off Minnesota, Illinois at a double overtime. Heartbreaker lost on Saturday. The Golden Gophers, their run got them in the tournament uh, Great run for them. Michigan State, not so good. Purdue, not so good. Your thoughts real quick on the Big Ten tournament, Big Dog. Uh, quite simply, you're right. The, the story of this tournament, even though Ohio State won it, Ohio State proves to be the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, but I guess the story is Minnesota because their run got them into the tournament. Uh, 
uh, one of their one of their players, little sister, has cancer, and they've been playing their butts off for and stuff. So that that is the story in the Big Ten, and it, a little disappointing. I, I know Purdue lost a big player, a big component of their team, but to get absolutely whitewashed by Minnesota, it, it, is Minnesota the most inconsistent team in the country? Coach, it was about ten days ago they lost to Michigan by thirty points, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And like a couple days before that, they beat Illinois by twenty on the road. And then, and then after that, they they blew out a couple people in the Big Ten tournament. Can you explain how do you lose by thirty to Michigan and beat Illinois by twenty, and then are able to you know like beat Purdue in Michigan State? Well, their, no their first yeah. game in the Big I've watched so many games now. I'm, I can't even remember. Was it Northwestern? Minnesota's first game, they barely won. It had to go overtime. Yeah, they they did barely win their who, first game. Who did they beat? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Indiana. No, 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 because Northwestern knocked off Indiana. Then okay, it was uh, was it Penn North? State then? Huh? It was Penn State then. Okay, six eleven because eight nine was Michigan Iowa seven ten was Iowa Northwestern so six eleven had to be mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota and I'm Penn getting State. that confused because they beat Penn State pretty handy. Maybe I'm thinking of the tight game. Their next game was with uh, no, no, Michigan, Michigan State. State was a tight game. Yeah, and they pulled Michigan that game State out. Was a tight game and yep. Purdue was a blowout and Ohio State was a loss. Yeah, the kid Devoe Joseph hit a big shot. So uh, Minnesota was the story of the Big Ten tournament, not to uh, undermine Ohio State, which was brilliant it's throughout. Damn. Even though the yeah. fight in the line, I had a chance to uh, knock them off. But uh, great, great stuff. And congrats, big dog, to Ohio State. You predicted they would win the tournament, did you not? Yeah, I did predict Ohio State to win the tournament. And I guess they gave the MVP to Evan Turner, I'm just assuming, right? Oh, yeah, wild yeah, guess. Okay, just, I, I just assumed. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, real good. All right. So now, who won the Big East tournament? All right, let's go to the Big East tournament. What do you mean, who won? You are a just college not- basketball expert here. Yeah, who won the Big East Tournament, Coach? The Big East Tournament was won by uh, Bobby Huggins in West Virginia. They knocked off Georgetown. Notre Dame made a nice run, made it to the semifinals. And uh, who predicted that Georgetown, who was playing the worst basketball in all of America at the time of the tournament, would end up making a run to the championship? I'm not sure. Was that you? That was me. You need to pay attention more when we're on these airwaves, Coach. <laughs> I'll start taking notes. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, these really aren't airwaves anymore. They're more like I'm not exactly sure what the Internet is. Oh, I think we, can, we, can, we can call the Internet airwaves. It's just a different version of airwaves. I'm sure Dave Olson knows the answer, our producer. He probably does know the answer. Unfortunately, David Olson has taken a quick break, and he is not there to answer that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I mentioned we got a Cub guest coming on, and David Olson not happy about that, apparently. The very affable, very likable, very mild mannered David Olson. I brought up the Cubs. Major hatred, big dog. Was he, was he a Cardinal producer. fan? Huh? Is he a Cardinal fan? No, he probably said I'm a Southside guy. So we got, we got issues. We're going to have to work over the next couple of months because you and me big on the Cubs and we just found out apparently it passed up our contract negotiations and uh, work employee regulations. But we got a Cub hater who's our producer. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, he can feel free to get as many White Sox guests on as he wants to. <laughs> right. why, do the, why do we have to work with the White Sox fan in the year that looks like the White Sox are about 30 times better than the Cubs are right now? It's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. It's not, not looking particularly optimistic. I'm hoping that our uh, guest coming up, Mr. Bob Iback, will give us a little bit of uh, optimism. But you're right, Big Dog. Things are from the outside looking in or from the inside looking out. Either way, right now. Not so good, Coach. I promise you this, though. No, you, you know I'm always I'm a, I'm always the contrarian. When everybody is patting the Cubs on the back, I'm mm-hmm. the one pushing them in the back. You know mm-hmm. that. And when everybody's trying to hold the Cubs down, I'm the one that tries to lift them up. There are reasons yeah. for optimism. Maybe it isn't for this year. Maybe it could be this year. 
But trust me, there, there, yeah. it's a half full thing for the Cubs. The organization's yeah. made a lot of good moves the last couple months. Folks, he sounds real nice now. That's the big dog, Joe Radwanski, talking about a big pat in the back. I guarantee you, by the end of April, Carlos Marmol blows his third save. Instead of a pat in the back, it'll be a swift kick in the groin from the big dog, well, Joe Radwanski. Don't kid yourself. Carlos Marmol gives up a ground ball, c single through a hole, a bleeder that scores two runs. I'm not going to be mad at Carlos, Mar- Carlos Marmol. Yeah. If Carlos Marmol walks the first five batters he faces and blows a two-run lead and nobody even hits the ball, yes, Coach, you're right. It will be beyond anger. Excuse okay. me. There will be no ground balls going through our infield. We have Ryan Terrio, Mike Fontenot, and Starlin Kestrel to knock down all ground balls. So please uh, change the vision. Line drives oh. maybe, but no ground balls will get by that infield. Sterling Castro, the next up-and-coming stud for the Cubs, will be the starting shortstop. Is that what you're insinuating, Coach? No, no, no. I'm insinuating that no ground balls will get by Mr. Mike Fontenot and Ryan Thurio, the LSU connection. Or Terrio. Him, too. Now they, uh, they Supposedly, right. they've been moving people all around. They've been putting Fontenot at short. They've been putting Terrio at second during spring training. All for a bunch of different reasons. Right. And I think that's because of the Sterling Castro kid. I think Canella, deep down, really wants the kid to make the the ball club for the simple mm-hmm. fact is he can really really catch the ball coach mm-hmm. and if he could be good like his potential you know you know I hate this word too but in a way he has much more upside offensively than Terrio does because mm-hmm. he's so much faster all so right. all right I got all my brackets in front of me I'm trying to figure out who's going to win Texas A and M Utah State the late game Texas on the- A&M. Sunday, and I'm figuring out Purdue and Siena, and then all of a sudden i got to concentrate on Cub baseball. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a break from the back. It's a break from college basketball. We will be talking to Bob Iback, our favorite guy from the uh, Chicago Cub, ex-PR and marketing director for the Cub, and then we'll get back to college hoops talk. It's the big dog and the coach. Two guys and a mic on thetalkzone.com. Back in about 40 seconds. Don't go anywhere. to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Very, very excited about the Chicago Cubs season. Big dog, in fact, I'm so excited. I went to sleep, went to sleep early last night. Sleeping like a puppy, woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning. Couldn't make it back to sleep, looked over at my wife, and she looked just a little bit like Cub backup catcher Koye Hill. Uh-oh. Did she have a hand and everything, Coach? She did not. I tried to get her in the uh, catcher's position and give me a signal, but she would have none of that. Well, I can imagine the signal she would have given you. Yes. Actually, she did give me a signal, but it was not the one. I had to shake her off on that one. <laughs> All right. We are back. Uh, we're going to talk college basketball in the brackets in just a second, but right now we're going to bring in a uh, special guest. He was our favorite uh, Cub 
guest that we had on on our morning break radio show, and now he joins us first time on the TalkZone.com. It's Bob Ibeck. Robert, how are you? Hey, Coach uh, and Big Dog, nice to be with you guys today, and uh, you guys are having too much fun. Too many laughs there, handing down signals to your wife, I'm telling you. Well, <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta give it a shot once in a while. By the way, I, I filled out my brackets. I have the Cubs in the East bracket, and I've got them beating the Braves and advancing against the Astros in round two, possibly getting knocked out. I'm combining baseball oh, and basketball. Oh, so the Cubs <laughs> haven't won the East since 89, okay? There's got to be a first time. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I w- I've been down over, uh, I've been currently down in Florida uh, touring some of the uh, training camps down here, saw the Twins and the Red Sox recently, the Phillies I saw in the Orioles yesterday, was over in Jupiter and saw the Cardinals, and you know, everybody was kind of, you know, christening the Cardinals as the uh, central champ, uh, but they've got that McGuire hex hanging over them, and it doesn't look like a real happy camp huh. over there, which is which is kind of cool if you're a Cubs fan. Uh, they've had some struggles, Tony LaRusso's group, and uh, um, I don't. I still don't understand why they brought Mark McGuire back as a hitting instructor. Yeah, Bob, that one is totally confusing for me, but I'm not going to question it. All I know is this: is I'm putting all the pressure on the Cardinals. Not only are they the favorites, they're the greatest team I've ever seen. That's all I want everybody out there to know. Okay. Well, you know, they, they, they talk a good game over there, and all I know is that uh, when Mark uh, McGuire gets back to St. Louis, that that familiar route that you take to uh, Bush Stadium, which used to be called Mark McGuire Highway or mm-hmm. whatever, it's now been changed to Mark Twain Highway. Well, oh, like I, it should be. I like what Tony LaRusso said. We brought Mark McGuire back because he's a damn good hitting coach so maybe you know laugh if we won now it might help the cardinals and why are the cardinals the prohibitive favorite i'm a little surprised to hear yeah. that i mean besides albert Pujols and there are two great starters who else makes i, I didn't read that the cardinals were that much of a, a big yeah. time favorite i think the surprise team and uh, you know out in arizona they're they, they moved from here to sarasota where i have a home out there are going to be the cincinnati Reds. i, yep. I think that could be the team in the back of my mind that is the surprise team. But that whole division, I think if you win about 86 to 88 games, mm-hmm. you can win the division. Uh, but I think there will not be a wild card coming out. So you got to win the division. And I know uh, at the Maple Street Press, which you've seen, those annuals that we were going to have sent out to you that are on sale now, we've uh, we put the Cubs annual out this year. Uh, John and Joel, and it's a it's a great publication. A lot of that information we're going to be talking about this morning is in there. And one of the interesting stories that you alluded to it during the break before is this kid, uh, Starlin Castro, with shortstop. I'm telling you, he is going to force Lou Pinella's hand to maybe uh, keep him on the roster. I know they were doing everything possible and talking to some of the guys, Matty Sinatra, before the season to probably get him some experience in spring training. And by now they figure, well, we'll send the kid down and he'll play triple-A ball this year, maybe uh-huh. for Sandberg. But, uh, you know, I look at the stats here, and uh, he's gone 10 for 22, hitting 455. He's playing a great shortstop. Uh, and like you mentioned before, you know, Terrio's had a good spring, and so has uh, uh, Fontenot. So they've got three good middle infielders there that they, you know, I, I think they'd like to put Terrio over to second base if this kid Castro can can start the season there. And Somebody said to me the other day, well, he's 20 years old. He's not going to start there because last year he got up to what uh, he started Daytona, which is a high A ball in the Florida State League, uh-huh. and went to Tennessee. But I remember a kid many, many years ago uh, in two instances, one uh, Robin Yount, who was only 18 years old and started for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, 
And I was with the Cubs in the 80s when we had a young man named Sean Dunstan. So it's not impossible. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know what? In, in some ways, maybe the difference of what you're going to lose is better in the long run for the fact that, you know, this kid's really going to learn a lot. And it's not like you're going to have a gigantic drop-off either at shortstop. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember when Sandberg came up when I was the, with the club, and he went well, like one for 31. And I had a press release already. Dallas Green and, and Lee Ilya said, well, we're going to probably send the kid down. But we're going to keep him for a couple more days because I guess the kid that was down and the, that they're going to bring up had hurt himself, so they needed to give him a rest for a few more days and let Sandberg just kind of hang in there. Well, uh-huh. Rhino turned it right around from going one for 31. The next day he got like two or three hits, and the next day he got two or three hits. And Dallas Green, who I saw yesterday down here, uh, uh, we were kidding about it. And he I turned around and uh, he said to me, take that press release and, and kind of like uh, rip it up because we're keeping him. Wow. You, you know, that's that's a great story, Bob, because if you think about it, that third base, because Stamberg was playing third baseman in 82 when he came up. Yep. That would have been Pat Tabler, who was a yep. really good hitter. So if Pat Tabler gets pulled up, Stamberg might have stayed in the minors for the rest of the year that year. He might have, stayed in, the minors for a, he might have stayed in the minors for a long time. Those kind of things happen, and it, it's, it's amazing, because we, uh, we had Bump Wills that year at second base. Uh-huh. And, uh, By the Sandberg, way, you know, he played with a golden glove at second base. Did you know that? Yes. I did, he and he also played with. He also played one time in that September, and Lee Ilio almost tore his head off. They had a practice in September, and uh, Bump Wills comes over with that little gold glove that he had, and had two McDonald hamburgers in the middle of it that he was chewing on during a practice. <laughs> yeah, I never forget. I never forget the skipper. He almost went. Well, he went ballistic a year later on the famous April tirade day, but he he almost had the first meltdown that day when. When uh, when Bump Wills was was chewing on a burger, uh, playing second base. Oh, I wish I could have saw that. That would have been that would have been great to see a Ilya meltdown. Oh, uh, I tell you, well, Lee. You know, I just I was talking to Dallas yesterday. The old Cubby guys have gotten on the uh, the DL. Uh, Dallas fell off fell off a ladder. He's seventy, almost seventy six years old. I said, Uh-oh. "What are you doing up on a ladder?" He lives up in Maryland. He's a he's now an advisor for the. Uh, for the Phillies, and I saw him at the spring training game. Fell off a ladder. He's got a splint on his on his left arm, uh, and a cast. But other than that, he's the same old guy. And Lee Ilya just had uh, four or five stints put in. Uh, he had some heart problems, and uh, but he's doing good, I hear. And he's he's a scout now for the Dodgers. My old sidekick, uh, who I hired, Ned Coletti, is now the Dodgers general manager, of course. And Ned hired Lee last year to do some scouting in Albuquerque and uh, in Double A over in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Bob Ibeck and uh, Bob, the XPR and marketing director of the Cubs, and now working with the Maple Street Press. The Cubs annual 2010 is out there for people now. I like the uh, one page in here, Big Dog, and, and uh, Bob, the Big Dog, is uh, without transportation right now, so he's not in the studio, so i got to save a copy of this for him. But uh, Yeah, please, please. Yeah, that, those are those are excellent, the Maple Street Presses. Somebody, uh, Pete Palmer, apparently a guy with way too much spare time on his hand, is actually projected. The entire stats, do I got this right, Bob, for yep. the 2010 season? Yep. I mean, he's projected, hey, he's got every single player, Big Dog, games, at-bats, runs, hits, doubles, triples, homers. Let's see how close, uh, Big Dog, the prediction for Giovanni Soto. What do you think he's got for batting average and home runs? Uh, I'm going to say Giovanni Soto has a rebound season from his horrible rookie, uh, sophomore year. I'm going to say they got him hitting 258 with 14 homers and 64 driven in. It's not bad. You could have saved Pete Palmer a lot of computer time. <laughs> 263 and 17 homers. 
Okay. 67 RBIs. Let's hope well, I'll definitely take that season. That's a little bit better. I just want Giovanni to, to catch the ball and throw people out most importantly this year. That's what I'm most concerned about. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's Actually, 40 pounds. I tell you, he's 40 pounds down. He looks good in the spring training. Some of the key key guys that they're going to need bounce back seasons from uh, are looking really good. Uh, and, and he's done a great job. This Marlon Bird's off to a decent start out in Arizona. Uh, and I think that's going to solve a problem. If Soriano and gets that banged-up knee going again and not chasing balls on the outside part of the plate, if uh, if Bird can stay in center and uh, Soriano has a decent comeback season and Fukudomi goes back to right field, where he's a good right fielder defensively, and, you know, Absolutely. he's not going to be a superstar, but, you know, he hits, if he could hit you 260 to 270 and get uh, between 10 and 15 homers and driving around 60, you know, with guys like Ramirez and the guy that, uh, and Lee at first base, Lee had a, such a great year last year. Uh, if if the uh, the corners and in your infield and Soriano come back with power productions, mm-hmm. you can get by with Fukudomi hitting between ten and fifteen in right field. See, that's, that's... You know, I, I don't want to bring up Parker Brothers' name. I want to stay positive here, but it's funny. A year ago, we get a guy from Texas that we pay ten million dollars to. He gets here. Doesn't contribute anything to the team except saying how difficult it is to play in the city of Chicago. And he only drove in 79 runs the year he came from Texas. The next year we get a guy from Texas. He drives in 83 runs. He catches the ball unlike a center fielder we've had here in years. And all he does since he comes here is tell three different pitchers that they're tipping pitches. You got to fix your fix this right, fix this. You know he's contributing all types of things that don't even mean anything. And we're paying this guy a third of what we paid the other guy the year before. Yeah, I mean, Hendry Hendry took took a lot of gas last year for bringing in Bradley. I don't know why he did that. I mean, it's just everybody I've ever talked to. I mean, what was he thinking? He's an American League player to begin with. He's a DH type. And then you bring him out of that environment into a big city situation where the media is going to put him in the uh, under the microscope. I just don't see, you know, he's got to be in a place like he is in Seattle or Texas where yeah, he is in a community where he can just kind of mesh in with everybody. Hindsight is very, very easy. He took a chance on it. Not every teammate. You talk to other people, including current Chicago Cub, the guy who replaced him, Marlon Bird. Not everybody says that bad of things about Milton Bradley. He had moments and they were looking for a left-handed hitter. If you would have messed with the Cubs, and who knows what was going on in his personal life. But, you know, if, if it would have worked, if he would have produced a little bit, all of a sudden we're saying the exact opposite. Jim Hendrick well, took yeah. a chance, you know. And so, it, it you well, know, it was a gamble that didn't pay off. a guy that had a bunch of distractions around him, and all of a sudden this year they bring in a guy that doesn't have distractions. He's telling pitchers they're tipping pitches. He's running the bases, unlike on the guy that had run bases on their team in the last couple of years. It's just – it's. They're going in the right direction, Coach. I'm being positive here. No, so I'm not I trying think, to get negative I, I here. think you're right. What do you What do you guys think of this kid, uh, Tyler Colvin? I mean, he's 13 for 25, hitting mm-hmm. 520, leading the team in this in, in spring. Uh, I know he was a first round pick in 2006. What do you think I, of, okay, of Colvin? When, Bob, when I say this, I know there's zero chance of this ever happening. I think he should be our starting left fielder this year. Do you really? I cannot wow. stand Alfonso Soriano. I cannot stand him until Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. Start swinging at strikes and actually say stuff like this. I want the Cubs to win today instead of I want to get two hits today. I can't stand the guy. And I know he can be great, Bob. In in order for the Cubs to win the World Series, they would need an incredible season out of Alfonso Soriano. But right now, I know I'm the only one, but I would rather have Colvin in left field. Well, you know what? uh, if, If Soriano gets off to a bad start, the thing I do like that Pinella finally 
finally, it reminded me of the old days of Yosh Kawano. No matter what they wanted to do, they couldn't fire Yosh Kawano because he had that contract with the with with the Wrigley family that the Tribune Company had to take on. There, that was one of the three guys that uh, you know you you couldn't fire or do anything with. I always felt that uh, uh, our Yosh Kawano of these days is uh, Soriano. Uh, because, you know, he, why they kept on insisting that he was going to be at the top of the order. Finally, Pinella had enough, and he's, he's dropped him down the fifth and sixth, and that's where he belongs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that stuff drove me crazy, Bob. It should, all that should matter is what's good for the team. And yeah. he should have been like, you know what? It's better for the team if I back fifth or sixth. Instead, no, no, put me first, put me first. That, put me first. It's kind of funny how yeah. you say that, the, the dual entendre. Well, what do you guys think of the? You know, look at let's turn to the pitching for here for a second with the Cubs, and you look at it now. Sure, uh, the Zambrano is going to start today. He's facing uh, the Rockies, and he's had biggest game of the uh, season so far. Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you what. He's, he's had a disappointing spring again, and I'm tired of him being painted as the ace when a guy wins nine games last year. He's never won twenty. This is a guy that's being paid to win. He's got to be a horse, and he's got to win between the fifteen and twenty games. Because uh, I think Lily's still going to have his shoulder problems going in the season. Uh-huh. You, you know, you, you got Dempster, who's probably serviceable for ten to fifteen, and then are you going to are you going to count on a guy like Randy Wells to be your ace? Absolutely not. Hopefully, Randy Wells can have a really good year as a four starter this year. I do not expect the same numbers as last year. Yeah, and don't 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 ask for uh, Carlos Silva to, to bail you out. You're hoping he becomes a surprise. But if you look at it objectively, and and that's one of the reasons I love having you on, Bob, because I get, you know, I I tend to get depressed a little bit with the Cubs. I start looking at the negative side, talk to a Bob. I'm back. All of a sudden, I start feeling good about the Cub. But if you look at it objectively, Big Dog, comparing the Cub starting pitching to other teams, we would be below the uh, Mason Dixon line. Especially right right now because of the question mark and how healthy Lily's going to be. and. Taking everything yeah, it, it, into consideration, again, key thing here, being objective, looking at all the other teams starting pitching, we are possibly well below the uh, Well, I, would, I wouldn't go quite that far. You've got so many. You, what you have here in this team, which could prove to be pretty good if you got one fellow who steps up and becomes your ace. Yes. You've got a lot of guys who can win you know, between 9 and 14 games, which you're deep. I mean, you go in uh, – you know, Wells, Wells will give you between nine and, and thirteen wins. So will so will Dempster. So will a guy like uh, 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 Lilly. And you got to have one of these guys, Zambrano or Lilly or Dempster, step up and win between fifteen and twenty mm-hmm. and be your ace that you know is going to stop losing streaks along the Maybe way. Maybe it'll be a, you know last year we didn't know who Randy Wells was. Maybe yep. it'll be a Sean Marshall, a Jeff Samarja, or Did another you... one of the who's the guy that we got for the the Pigatella or who's the guy that we got from the Cardinals in the Rule Five? Like we got Wells from the Rule Five from the Blue Jays, Bob. I'm trying. I can't I, to... I'm drawing a brain cramp on that one too. But, I mean, like, that's, what, that's exactly what Coach is talking about. Like, somebody, like, cause we shouldn't have got anything out of Randy Wells last year and had a great year. So hopefully the steal from the Cardinals, because we got a, a, a guy that they couldn't fit on their 40-man roster. We took him from him, and hopefully, you know, that's, that's Coach what you're hoping for is a magical year from, like, lightning in a bottle type deal. Yeah, but, you've, um, got to, you've got to get one of those guys. Even this, this kid down the road, that they, the Cuban defector, uh, Juan Siriano, mm-hmm. the right-handed pitcher. He's, but he's only 21. He'll probably uh, start the season yeah. in Daytona. But he's a Cuban defector. We need some more Cuban defectors on the coast. <laughs> well, we need a – I'll tell you what. Marmol <laughs> scares me. 
or Marmol, however you want to pronounce it. Every week yeah. I hear it differently. But, you know, uh, he, he's scary. Last year, what do you have, a 65 walks and 74 innings mm-hmm. and all those hit batters. And the other the other day I saw him pitch, and uh, he gives up uh, what two hits and two runs in an inning, walked one, but he's, but he's got five strikeouts in two games. The, the guy is can be very, very good, but what happens if he doesn't prove to be your uh, your closer? Please. Please, don't even, let's not even think about that yeah, particular that. aspect. I don't know if we have anybody in the waiting. Me and Joe, by the way, last week we did go over game by game, Bob. Uh, checked all the potential pitching matchups. We got the Cubs, 76 wins, 78 losses, 16 games we couldn't decide on. So hopefully a lot of those 16 will go on the plus side. Yeah, well, we that's, were, that's an interesting way to look at it. I we, think, I think my, I think they're going to win somewhere between 82 and 87 games okay. now but you're, this, you're sure they're going to have a winning record though you, you're pretty sure of that yes i, I think they will um and, and which will which will allow the ricketts family to raise prices again for 2011 <laughs> no, no how no, much I, objectivity do you have when you when you predict the cubs now i'm not just ripping because I, I try to be pretty right. good can you do that because i know you love the cubs like me well i i do love the cubs although i tell you my number one team is my son's team he's with the florida marlins and my heart. Well, I can understand that. Yeah, that that usually takes precedence. I would understand. Yeah, your, your son no, works for them, or he's in the in the. Is he no, a player? He, he is. A, he's their head scout in the Midwest. Oh, really? In fact, he's he's back in the Midwest now. Wow. He played college ball. He played the professional ball for a while. He played yeah. college at LaSalle, and uh, he's got the five states in the Midwest, including Illinois. Have him ca- got, have him contact me in the Big Dog. We go to high school games. We can we can help him out a little bit. Absolutely. I thought it was Anthony Ramirez, Bob. Oh, I thought Ramirez, Ramirez was your son. I thought it was a terrific man <laughs> the Dominican from a few years back. Well, I tell you, years ago, you know, he got bounced out. Of, uh, he was going to go ahead, and, and uh, when he was playing at LaSalle, he, he told me the story. Uh, the, the Phillies actually were, were considering possibly looking to bring him in, okay, as a as an unsigned guy. And this is a bunch of years ago. And they said, well, if if we don't draft this other kid, maybe we can find a spot for you. Well, they found a guy named uh, Chase Utley. <laughs> so that yeah. was the end of that. That was the end of that dream. Yeah, I think that worked out for the Phillies. Yep. To be honest yeah. with you, tell your son Highland if Park. Get, if you're going to get replaced, that's a good guy to get replaced by, right? Oh, absolutely. You yeah. can you can tell your grandkids that. You know, I lost my job to a potential future Hall of Famer, Chase. That's Utley. right. Tell that's your son right. the scout. By the way, a high, a nearby Highland Park High School has a five foot eight and a half inch left handed Jewish kid pitching for him who might have some potential, and uh, we can talk after the show. Okay. He throws a version of Chuck Rainey. That sounds pretty good. He throws in the low seventies, but he locates very well. Oh, geez. Hey, look, (laughs) coach. Let me just do put a little plug in here for Maple Street. If if the folks are listening in today that want to get this Cubs magazine, it's a great. It's put out by the editor Al Yellen. Maple Street's been around for a number of years. Uh, They're based out of uh, Boston. They put out nine different uh, Major League Baseball publications. It's a true beautiful publication. One hundred twenty-eight pages, no ads. All kind of cool uh, Cubs information there. A great story on Pat Hughes and what it's like to be a broadcaster uh, for the Chicago Cubs in there. It's one of my favorite stories. It's mm-hmm. also a cool story in there on this new triangle building, which is going to be the cash cow for the Cubs. Al Yellen takes a look at that and gives you the insight on that. It's available at all bookstores, convenience stores, newsstands in the area. And if you can't find a copy, you can go to maplestreetpress.com. And order one there. It's, I think it's like twelve ninety nine. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the best baseball publications I've seen out. And uh, this is their third year that Al Yellen has uh, put this out. In fact, I'm going to hook you up with Al. 
he's going to be out in spring training beginning today in Mesa through the end of the month, and uh, I know he'd love to come on your show and uh, talk a little bit of, of being out in Mesa and what the Cubs look like. Beautiful. Uh, we will enjoy that. MapleStreetPress.com, and my wife will be very happy to know, Joel, that there's at least two pictures of Cub backup catcher Koye Hill in the magazine. Uh, yeah, well, that's good to know. They got enough for every, and somebody who's a diehard Cub fan and thinks that they know everybody about the, everything about the Cubs, mm-hmm. every year, middle of March, I read the Maple Street Press and learn yep. some more about the Cubs. So, I got I got a copy waiting. Fan, you got to get it. I got a copy waiting for you, big dog. Excellent, excellent. All right. Robert, great to talk to you. Be good out there. Any developments that happen with the Cubs, feel free to call anytime. We'll look forward to talking to Al in a couple of weeks, okay? That sounds great, guys. You have a good day. It's always a pleasure. Beautiful. Thanks, Thank Bob. you, Bob. Bye-bye. All right, ex-PR uh, PR marketing guy. Big dog, I did not know his son is a scout. I didn't know we, it either. we got to work that either. angle. That's our dream job, the two of us. Uh, well, no, no, no. my dream job is, is, is something else, but I, I can't hey, Scouting's not there. bad. If we could get paid, are you kidding me, to go to baseball games? And with your intuition and with my expertise, we combine the two? We could, you know, sit and watch baseball and, and, and pick out potential players. I think it could be the dream job for the two of us. Yeah, you know, one day in a, in a drunken stupor, I walked down to the scout section, you yeah. know, stuck down in a solar seat, and I was hammered, and I started talking in baseball to this guy. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then I went to him, and he was a scout, and you know, I'm like, hey, do you mind me sitting there talking baseball? He's like... Normally I would. He's like, you actually know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so we started talking. We started talking. Who are the five fastest? Like the five, not the best fastest base runners, like the five best base runners in baseball, the best arm. I got to tell you something, Coach. It may have been the best baseball game I've ever been to that didn't, like, because I was with my friends, and they're like, where the heck did you go? And I was like, well, I spent the last, like, hour talking to a baseball scout. There you go. And, I mean, we went through every player. I mean, it was pretty cool, Coach. Beautiful. I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We enjoyed the discussion with Robert Ibach. When we come back, back to the brackets, back to the conference tournaments. March Madness, when we return, TalkZone.com. Two guys, one mic. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joe radwanski on talkzone.com guys if you're tuning in for college basketball talk we got caught long, uh, caught up i should say in a little bit of cub love there we're going to get back to college hoops talk and if you're wondering why we're not completely Breaking down the brackets, we're going to kind of review the tournaments and the weekend action, and then starting tomorrow, we will definitely get into it, folks. I guarantee you, there'll be no better place on the Internet, very few places more on the radio that will uh, break down and talk and get to the meat and potatoes of some of the matchups. If you're a college basketball fan, stick with the TalkZone.com 10 to 11 all week this week, the coach, the big dog, and hopefully you, the caller, at 888-463-6747. We will get into it for sure. By the way, producer extraordinaire David Olson not 
happy, Big Dog, with the fact we spent 18 minutes talking Chicago Cup? Um, well, I, I'll be more than happy to get uh, the marketing director from uh, the Chicago White Sox on. What's his name? Uh, we, we've had him on before. He comes on. It's like Brandon something. So we'll get him on, too. We'll... It'll okay. be a 50-50 right. Chicago baseball love this year. David's a south side guy. He's going to win a division and the Cubs won't. So. That would please him for sure right now, though. I will tell you, he's not very happy, and i got a feeling I will feel the brunt of it after the show. This might be a good day for you not to be in the studio. Well, uh, Coach, something tells me Dave runs like Paul Canerco, so you probably cannot run him. <laughs> I'm pretty good with the bow staff. All right. You might have to worry about that. We have went over the Big Ten tournament, the Big East tournament, real quick. The SEC Southeast Conference tournament, the favorite one. It was not easy. Kentucky knocked off Mississippi State. And, dog, you were talking earlier on a couple of teams that just missed out almost by luck of the draw of making it into the tournament. How about Mississippi State? They are within .01, not one second, folks, but a tenth of a second, right? DeMarcus yeah, Cousins yeah. on the putback. Sends it in overtime. Kentucky ends out beating Mississippi State. The brackets come out. The top 64 team. No Mississippi State. So they lost out on the tournament. One-tenth of a second. That was the time left when DeMarcus Cousins tied the ball game. I wish I could uh, put the whole uh, diatribe, you know, I wish I could remember what Doug Gottlieb said. But basically, Mississippi State does not belong in the tournament. After I heard that... The other four analysts, whatever he said about Mississippi State, the other four analysts were like, you know, you got a good point there. So basically, they blew like nine or ten games this year, Coach, and non-conference, they played no one. Mm -hmm. So they needed to win their conference tournament. I I wasn't arguing for Mississippi State. I was talking about how close they could be because if they win the Southeast Conference discussion over, they're in the tournament, and Kentucky missed the game-tying shot, and then DeMarcus Cousins, the big freshman out of Alabama, who, by the way, was going to go to Memphis. But then when John Calipari switched schools, John, uh, DeMarcus Cousins said no to Memphis, and yay to Kentucky, but he made the basket put back with a tenth of a second. That's how close they were to making the tournament. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, Kentucky thoroughly, thoroughly celebrated way too hard after that shot. It tied the game. It didn't win it. It didn't win the conference championship for him yet. Blah blah blah. Those team, that team was trying to win the national title. Cousins hits that. They won the race of the court. Slide and create a pile. Did it's, you see that? I. You know what? Initially, I was a little surprised. It looked like they won the game. You know what? I'm never going to criticize unplanned emotion like that. It was spur of the moment. You know, young kids getting caught up in the moment. I'm, I'm not going to criticize that. I enjoyed it. Well, I just, I just, that's an end of the game type of celebration. And I don't care if it's on November or whenever, but mm-hmm. you, you celebrate like that when the game is won. You don't create a pile when you still have five more minutes to play. This was a bit of an exception. You're, you're going for a conference tournament championship and you just about lost the game. And then just, it's like you've been revived from the dead with a basket from a tenth of a second. So you're right in theory, but in practicality, you know, the emotions caught them. And I think it was that kind of a moment that, they probably over-celebrated, but again, it's hard to criticize raw emotion. It wasn't planned out. It's just... Mike, I loved it. Did you hear, look at that ball, baby, that was so amazing. Oh, baby. <laughs> you know, it was a little uncomfortable. Uh, I, I love Dick Vitale. <laughs> Speaking of Dick Vitale, by the way, as we move from the Southeast Conference, the other uh, interesting tournament action, the ACC, which used to be the marquee conference, Big Dog. It's lost a little bit of its luster. Not a lot, but a little bit, would you agree? And they can be right back again. Like It's one of those things, you know, people rip Big Ten football because they've been down a couple of years. Big Ten football could be back in a heartbeat, just like ACC basketball. Mm-hmm. If they're the best conference next year, I would not be shocked. 
Okay, so it's a temporary thing. Yeah, it's absolutely temporary. Because down Tobacco Road and that part of the country, basketball is huge. But uh, the favorites won. The Duke Blue Devils, give them credit. They just keep on keeping on. Mike Krzyzewski and company pull out the victory. Our Chicago area guy, Johnny Shire, did not have a great shooting tournament, but he had big shots when he needed it. Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith, their seniors carried him. And uh, you got to give them credit, Big Dog, a team. They didn't have that much to play for, quite frankly. They were already in the tournament. They win three straight games, all big games, and uh, Duke is your tournament champion. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's good. And uh, I like the fact that ACC you get done on Saturday, don't they? That little extra day of rest to prepare yep. for the the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool to do it that way. The ACC came up with the tournament. They oh, those team, teams seem to take it more seriously. That might sound like weird, but it's like in the Big East, Big Ten, people are like, oh, we're preparing for the the real tournament. Well, the ACC, it is. It seems like it really means something. To those teams actually win their conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would like to throw out tomorrow, and I'll put it out as a teaser, I would like to know, and if anybody wants to chime in today, feel free at 888 You can always email us at mike2guysaol.com. Don't forget that's Mike as in microphone, M-I-C, in the number two, guys at aol.com. But I would like to know which team you watched over the weekend, Thursday's games, Friday's games, Saturday, Sunday, that you didn't know much about but you kind of fell in love with. Who did you adopt? Who's your new favorite team? You know, you, everybody watched some teams that you didn't know much about. And now, maybe you can even go back to last week in the smaller tournament. But who's the one team that you got a crush on right now that you didn't even know? The Murray Racers coach. There you go. Oh, my goodness. That team, they're 30 and 4. That team in their game running, that's funny. They really play into what their name is, okay? Mm-hmm. They, they just run up and down the court. They're going to score 90 on everybody. So they're going to be. A really tough out in the tournament. They got a 13 seed. I'm picking them, whoever they're playing against. I developed a crush on the weekend. Murray State Racers, very, very good, by the way. And their coach is Gene Barto's son, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's Ed his Barto, name? right? Ed Barto, Murray Barto. Okay. <laughs> Leonard Barto, he's a Barto. Um, I developed a crush over the weekend yesterday in particular, and this is not a Cinderella team, but it's a team I didn't get to see much all year, uh, with the Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech. I don't know if you watched that game against Duke. I watched them a little bit in a couple of games before. Really good ball club, and their best players are all young players. So developing, and I think they're a definite sleeper in the tournament. And um, they they played a lousy game. Really, they did not play a good game at all, and only lost to Duke by three, four points. I I will say that they played a lousy offensive game, but you asked Kyle Singler, John Shire, and Georgia Tech played well defensively because those guys did not get one open look until late in the game, Coach. Before John Shire got a couple and he knocked them both down. Good point. Turnover, turnover, turnover. Three of 16 from the field. Yep. Some of those were open looks. It wasn't all great defense. Some were open looks. And by the way, the next Evan Turner, the next great player in college basketball, I hate to, hate to sound too uh, Chicago biased, but he's from Chicago also. Next year's Evan Turner is going to be Georgia Tech's point guard, Iman Shumpert. Wow, yeah, you know, Coach. Right. Do you remember when he came out of freaking high school, people like were like, why did this guy get a, a – a, a, I don't think people really thought he was supposed to go he, to an ACC. Well, Do you remember that? He, yeah, but he was a late developer. So you're right in some – by the end of his career, I think people agreed. He was not a big name all along. But towards the end, I think people started to see that he could be special. I think he was freshman of the year, certainly first team all – Freshman last year in the ACC, but he's big time. He is going to be a college superstar. Yeah, and because he's got like just that toughness. He's got like the Mateen Cleaves about him. Yeah, and he's six. What would you say, six five? Um, Point guard? Is he that tall? 
Okay, I, I didn't. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I guess he is that tall. He's, he's got the. He, he reminds me, quite frankly, he's Evan Turner light. Same skills. Can shoot it. Can drive. Can dish. Tall. Got the wingspan. I think he's going to be a great player. By the way, my favorite potential second round matchup: Georgia Tech and Ohio State. If that happens in round two, awfully good game. Well, don't forget the, there's a first round matchup of Aggies versus Aggies. Who's that? New Mexico State taking on. No, uh, it's Utah State versus uh, Texas A&M. Doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> My favorite first-round game, see if you're with me on this, and I have very good instincts on what will be the great game. Best first-round going to be a game is going to be the Temple Owl. Taking no, it on... wasn't Cornell. That was the one I was going to say. There you go. Okay, there's, there's 32 games on the first round. We cannot agree on the same one. <laughs> That's okay. going to be your best first-round game. I do like because you know it's going to be the 5-12 games are going to be ridiculous. Yep. Okay, so that's for some reason they always set it up for five twelve to be good. So I'll have to pick another game, coach. No, if you no, pick no, that no. One. We can we, we can just both kind of agree. You know, the two of us once in a while we actually think alike. So uh, who was the Marquette? What was the Marquette game? Mar- who's Marquette playing? It's Marquette. It's a six eleven game, and for some reason I thought that was just going to be a great matchup too. But uh, looking, 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 Marquette can't find. Oh, here we are, Washington. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good game first round. All that right. was the one that I was like, well, because Washington and Marquette right now are playing phenomenal. It's just, the first round games, like the 1-6 teams aren't going to be good. Mm-hmm. So you got to find the 6-11s, 5-12s, 8-9s that are going to be good. Study your brackets. Tomorrow we are going to go down, not game by game, but we're going to take foursomes at a time. We're going to take four teams in the same um Yeah, and we're going to figure out which one of those four. We're going to break it down. More College Hoops talk tomorrow, folks. Thanks for joining us on today's show. Thank you to our guest, Bob Ibach, producer extraordinaire, David Olson. Dog, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't be late, okay? I will not be late. Now i got to go do real work, Coach. All right. Same with both of us. 888-463-674 at TalkZone.com. Have a great day.